Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Passage here in our Bibles about something that's only said about one man, one man who's ever lived, and his name is David. And God actually spoke about him saying, David was a man after the Lord's own heart. And we need to look at the characteristics of what the Bible teaches us. What does it mean? What does it look like to be a man after the Lord's own heart? And all of us here, we want to be people who seek God. And the, I think we do see the examples in Scripture that show to us that sets David apart that he really just had a desire and a passion for God that maybe some of us and uh, we see other people in the Bible that we do not see. So mostly we're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel. So I'm going to turn to several scriptures here. And you can actually follow along in your bulletin on the back of it. Some, most of these scriptures are there. And it's about becoming a man or becoming a woman after God's own heart. And how this started out here in 1 Samuel chapter 13, this is when we first see this phrase used in the Bible. And it started out with King Saul. Saul disobeyed God. And what happened with Saul is he was told to do something. He was supposed to kill someone, a wicked king, and wipe them off the face of the earth. But Saul did not do that. He let the king live, and he kept basically the gold. And it wasn't so much that Saul, what, it wasn't so much that God just wanted him to kill, it was that Saul could not listen and obey God. He was very clear on the instructions in 1 Samuel chapter 13 on what he was to do, and he didn't do it. And Samuel the prophet had to come do what the Lord wanted him to do. And this this king was always attacking and causing lots of problems to Israel and was, was killing God's people. So God said, why well, won't you to wipe them off? But Saul would not do it for whatever reason. So look what happens how Saul was rejected. Saul knew even while he was king, he was going to soon be replaced by someone. Not someone who was a, necessarily a much better military leader, who had great skills, but someone who sought after the Lord. That's who God looks for. Look here in verse, 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13. Look what it says here. Samuel said to Saul, You have been foolish. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. It was this time that the Lord would have permanently established your reign over Israel. He says, Saul, you don't know, you don't even realize what you lost. It could, instead of us going around saying a house of David, it would be a house of Saul. But because of Saul's disobedience, he did not obey the Lord. And look what he said in verse 14. But now your reign will not endure. The Lord has found a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not done what the Lord has commanded. Now, at that moment, at that exact moment, the very first king of Israel was rejected by the Lord. Now, it would take many, many years until David became king, probably 15, close to 20 years, for him to become actual the king. He had to become 30 years old 
before he's king. At this point, David was a small shepherd boy in the field, but God had chosen him that he was going to be the next king. So let's keep flipping over our Bibles. Look over to keep your finger here in 1 Samuel. Go over to chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. This is why David was anointed. Samuel came to David's home there in Bethlehem to anoint David as the new king. And here was the qualifications that set him apart. In verse 7, what happened was David was the youngest. He, had, he was the youngest of, of all his brothers. And his, the oldest was very tall, and you maybe would think that he's the oldest son, Eliab. He, Samuel thought he might be the one, but God said no, he wasn't the one. And if you look at verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. He was telling even Samuel struggled with this because David was so small, he was so young. He said, this is a child who's, in the she- who's a shepherd in the field and he's being anointed as the next king. Like of all people, is this really the one we want? So that is what we uh, first see with David being introduced here because God selected him because he was someone after the Lord's own heart. Now, in 1 Samuel, keep flipping over to uh, verse 24. This is what sets David apart. One of the things we see here is David possessed a servant's spirit. This is how you seek the Lord. A servant's spirit. David, because he killed Goliath, he was selected to be in Saul's Uh, family to marry Miguel, which is Saul's daughter. That marriage wasn't necessarily always the best, but because he was married to Miguel, and he had killed Goliath, and he could play the harp and soothe Saul in his anger, he found himself in Saul's house quite a bit. And then um, Saul got mad, the Bible said, and began trying to kill David. David would always elude at each time and get away from him, and he found himself on the run. Now, David at this point, understand, David was a young man, probably in his 20s at this point. He had already been anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel. He knew for a fact that God had rejected King Saul. Now, you knew if God had selected you to be the next king, you were just a matter of time. Saul just had to die for you to take the kingdom. And you knew the Lord had rejected Saul. Wouldn't it be very easy and convenient if Saul happened to die? Well, God put David in a position to kill Saul, to test David, to see does David have a servant spirit. There was a cave called En Gedi, which is next to the Dead Sea, and David was hiding back in that cave. And Saul went to use the bathroom. And David and his troops, remember, they're on the run from Saul. They're way back in the cave. Well, Saul has to go to the bathroom. So he goes back, he goes, takes his robe off, and he goes back in the same cave David happened to be in. He didn't know David was in the cave. So he goes back in the cave to use the restroom. And David realized, and his men even came up to him and says, David, look what the Lord has done. 
He has handed this man's life into your hands. David went up and cut the corner off of Saul's robe. But he, it'll pick up here in the Bible what happens. He had an opportunity to kill him. And it would have been very tempting to say, you know what, I have been on the run. This man has tried to kill me so many times. I have been on the run from his life for, for years. And I've already, God has already chosen me. God has already rejected this man. This is my father-in-law. And all he wants to do is kill me. He's try, actually, he's trying to currently kill me right now. And here he is with no sword, no clothes on. And I've got a whole army here with me with swords. How easy would it be for me to kill Saul? But all he did was cut off the corner of his robe. And look what the Bible says about that. 1 Samuel chapter 24. It says here in verse 5 through 7. Look at, actually start in verse verse 4. 1 Samuel 24 verse 4. This is what it looks like to have a servant's attitude. So when you, when you go to work and you work for someone that you feel like doesn't like you, maybe they're uh, trying to get you fired, maybe they uh, treat you awful, and you realize you, are, you might even work for the government, you work for an organization, you are under someone's authority that you personally feel does not line up whatsoever with the Bible. Do you know David did not complain about that? I mean, surely, if you knew of someone who was trying to kill you, wouldn't you, like, complain or, like, tell somebody, says, you know, we're having a lot of problems. I'm on the run from this man. He's actively trying to kill me. And, in fact, I know the Lord has rejected him, and the Lord has already chosen me. You could not get a better opportunity. And the Lord has put David in this position to see what does it look like for a man after God's own heart? This is the opportunity for us. When you have a chance to attack someone, an easy kill, or gossip about someone, you've got some information. But instead of doing that, you respond the same way David does. So pick up in verse 4. You do not see a picture of a more servant's attitude than David right here. Because he's in a total position of power. And Saul's in a total position of vulnerability. But look what David does. This is what it looks like if you love the Lord and you're after his heart. Verse 4. 1 Samuel 24, verse 4. So they said to him, these are his men, Look, this is the day the Lord told you about. I will hand your enemy over to you so that you can do to him whatever you desire. Then David got up and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. He cut off the corner of his robe. That's it. That's all he did. Afterward, look at this. David's conscience bothered him. He realized, I shouldn't have cut off his robe. I'm holding a piece of the king's robe in my hand right now. He said to his men, as the Lord is my witness, I would never do such a thing to my Lord. And now that's the word lowercase Lord. That's a reference to Saul, meaning he felt guilty. I cannot believe I have cut his robe off while he was going potty in the cave. And I could have killed him. And my men were sitting here quoting scripture for me to know how to cut his robe off. They want me to run a knife through him. Because Saul was totally helpless at this point. He had an easy kill. 
and then he could have just marched straight up to Jerusalem and become king and say, finally, I got rid of that man. God handed him over to me. Even my men told me. But David, remember, David knew what the Bible says. And the sixth commandment says, thou shalt not kill. You do not have to kill to accomplish God's will. And knowing that, most importantly too, God had chosen Saul. He was the first king. The Lord had chosen and put this man in a position of authority. Even though he had been rejected and disobedient, he had not died. And David wasn't the one there to kill him. He wasn't to bring out the Lord's justice. David knew if the Lord wanted Saul to die, he could drop dead just like that at any time. He didn't need David to do it. And look, so now he feels guilty. As the Lord is my witness, verse 6, I would never do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. He's going back talking about how Saul's the anointed one. What's wild about this? David had been anointed too. Yet he's commenting. You see a servant spirit. He's commenting about Saul's anointing. With these words, David persuaded his men, and he did not let them rise up against Saul. Then Saul left the cave and went on his way. And it goes on to say there, after he went out, then David goes and gets his attention and says, Hey, uh, is this the corner of your robe? Saul, why are you chasing after me? I had the opportunity to kill you, and I didn't. Saul, at that point, he became very remorseful. He didn't repent. He got remorseful. And then he went back home and realized David is a noble man. But he did not raise his fist, his sword, against Saul. And one of the most amazing things that happened with David, Saul was killed at a mount called Gilboa. He was, uh, he was beheaded, actually. And then all of a sudden, a servant came with exciting news to come tell David how... David found out through this servant who ran, who, what happened, Saul had gotten wounded and he didn't die. He was uh, killing him. He was uh, bleeding out, but he wasn't dead. He was wounded bad. So Saul said, you know, let, uh, run a sword through me and go ahead and finish me off. I'm dying. I'm not going to make it. So his servant ran a sword through and killed him. And he was already dying, but the servant helped him kill. Then that servant went and told David, hey, I just want you to know Here's Saul's sword. I just killed him for you. You're the new king. And David looked at him and said, are you excited about that? You just killed the king because he asked you to, even though he was mortally wounded? And David had that man killed. David didn't, that servant thought he was going to get a position in David's kingdom because he helped David be elevated to the new king, as the new king because everyone knew David was next in line. But David even mourned the loss of the king. That is what it looks like when you're a man after God's own heart. When you live in a country, you live in a government that might not obey the Lord. This is what our Wednesday night study on Daniel's going through. Remember Daniel served under four different pagan kings. And he was the right hand man to these kings. On Wednesday nights we're studying this. And every single different king, whatever their administration wanted, he served them. But he also held to his God-fearing values. He held to what the Bible said. It is possible for us to live in a pagan culture, a lost culture, yet faithfully, continually serve the Lord. We see that here with David. David's on the run. 
yet he's a man after God's own heart, yet he did not give in to what the people wanted him to do to finish Saul off. Now, there's one more scripture I want you to see here. Turn over in your Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 12. This will be our last scripture this evening. Because this truly is what set David apart. David here became king and had a 40-year reign. But towards the end of his reign, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And this is what it looks like when you sin. Someone who loves the Lord, someone who has a passion to please God, when they are confronted with their sin, they don't make excuses. Nowadays, if you and I meet someone, for the most part, and this is, we are, I don't, we're just cultured, conditioned to do this. If someone accuses you of something, by default, the first thing most folks do is they start arguing. They become defensive. You know, here comes, a, here comes an argument, but not David. David committed adultery. David had Uriah the Hittite killed, who was Bathsheba's husband. And then David took Bathsheba. And the Bible tells us that in 2 Samuel chapter 11 that this did not please the Lord whatsoever. The baby then dies, or the baby will die, but before, uh, while David, after he takes this new woman and she's expecting a baby, a knock on the door comes. And it's Nathan the prophet. I believe I preached on this a couple of weeks ago. And it's central to showing David's servant spirit because he had this desire, this longing desire to obey God. And God sent a prophet to tell him, the, and he knew the seventh commandment is do not, do not commit adultery. And Nathan shows up, and it says here in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 11, he says here, this is what the Lord says, I am going to bring disaster on you and your own family. I will take your wives and give them to another before your very eyes, and he will sleep with them in broad daylight. You acted in secret, David, but I will do this before all Israel and in broad daylight. David, what you did in secret with Bathsheba and Uriah, I'm going to, basically, your family is going to pay the price for your sin. And sadly, that happened. It, it, uh, David's family started falling apart after this. But look at David's response. This is, what, this is what it looks like to be a man after God's own heart. It says in verse 13, David, we do not see any excuses. We do not see David saying, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I had to do it. It uh, wasn't my fault. You know, there was nothing like that. Then David responded to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. That's all he said. He knew immediately the sin was against God. I've sinned against the Lord. That was all he said. Then Nathan the prophet replied to David, and the Lord has taken away your sin just like that. You know, when, when you confess your sin, you don't have to wait to the next Sunday. You don't have to wait to the next time you go read your Bible. The moment you confess your sin, that sin is taken away. David is standing at his front porch Nathan is confronting him on his sin. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan's next words are, the Lord has taken away your sin. You're no longer guilty anymore. The Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die. However, because you treated the Lord with such contempt, 
In this matter, the son born to you will die. Then Nathan went home. Notice who the real victim was, was of the adultery and of the murder. It wasn't just Uriah and Bathsheba. It was the Lord. Nathan said, your, your uh, disobedience, you breaking the seventh, the sixth and seventh commandment, David, actually has hurt the Lord. And his family paid a price for it. But what happened with David here, he had such a strong desire to obey God that sets him apart after a man after the Lord's own heart. Being a man after a Lord's own heart does not mean you will never sin. Being a man after the Lord's own heart meaning how you will respond when you are confronted with your sin and also many times how you will respond with the temptation to your sin. Because what I remember, David's in that cave. He could have easily killed Saul and became the next king, but he didn't. He practiced restraint. David, he also, we see, when he was a shepherd, he spent time with God. And knowing that, we see another characteristic, he trusted God. When, when David went to fight Goliath, he trusted the Lord. When he... Trusting the Lord has been when you're up against a situation where you are placed in that only the Lord can deliver you. So we look at this man's life. We see somebody here who had a servant's attitude. He, he served Saul, even though Saul was wicked and tried to kill him. He still worked for him. I mean, could you imagine working for someone who's actively trying to kill you? That was David. That was difficult job conditions for him. Very challenging. Not only that, he was someone, he had such a strong desire to obey God when he was confronted with what he did wrong, he confessed it immediately because it was more important to him to obey God than anyone else. And not only that, we didn't get into him, but his examples of trusting God is with Goliath. He was faced a massive giant and he picked up five smooth stones and he trusted the Lord was going to deliver him with his slingshot. And not only that, in the shepherd boy in the field, it says David spent time with God. David wrote the Psalms. He wrote many of the songs we sing here. He spent time meditating on God's Word. If you've been reading through our uh, chapter, our book that we're going through, read the Bible in one year, you know you've just wrapped up Psalms. I think Psalm 150 was today. I mean, you're just you're wrapping up the Psalms. Well, many of these Psalms you've been reading the past few weeks were written by David, the man after the Lord's own heart. These are characteristics we take, we apply in our life, and we say, God, I want to be a man like David, whether I have the opportunity to sin and I use restraint, or if I do sin, I immediately confess my sin to the Lord, and the Lord takes away and forgives me. God, I thank you for all the folks here this evening. How powerful it is to be at church studying your word. Lord, I pray you will make us into men and women after your own heart. Lord, I pray that this would be our time we respond to you. Lord, I thank you for being in such a wonderful church with wonderful Bible-believing Christians. God, I just pray that this invitation is our time to be bold and respond. Lord, you used David and he responded to you and we want to respond too. He did not hold back. When you, he was confronted and he was told what to do, he did it. That is what set him apart from so many other people. As you said, he was a man after your own heart. 
Jesus, I pray this invitation is our time to boldly step out of the aisle and boldly, if we are in the aisle, to boldly make that commitment to you. Lord, we don't ever want to hold anything back. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We close our worship service with our invitation to respond. David's going to lead us in our song. I'm going to be standing out front. You come take my hand. If you want to make a decision, you can join our church. You can make a commitment to Christ. This is our time. We respond to God. So let's stand up together. We're going to stand. I'll be standing down front. Sing I.